It is Pentecost Sunday, so we're uh, going to take another week off our Gospel of Luke series. We'll dive back into that next week. But God has laid a word on my heart for us this morning. And the title of this message today is A Baptism Pool, Pentecost and the Promise of God. You might be wondering how all that links together. I'll, I'll share it in a moment. But this is a, I really believe this is a word from the Lord for us as a congregation. So let's open up our hearts this morning. I believe God will speak to each and every one of us. But this is the title of the message, Baptism Pool, Pentecost, and the Promise of God. And we're going to read about the day of Pentecost today, the start of the church, and when the Holy Spirit came. Says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. You know, if you were with us last Sunday morning, we had a fantastic time together. It was Baptism Sunday and Georgina was baptized. There's a photo of it right there. And what a celebration it was, wasn't it? To celebrate Georgina going public with her faith, making Jesus known. And, and if you want to get baptized, come and see me afterwards. We want to help people take their next steps in their faith in the Lord Jesus. We thank God for all he's doing in Georgina's life and what he is going to do as well. What a fantastic time that was. But, you know, before the baptism service, I was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit afraid, not because I was baptized in Georgina, although that was a little bit intimidating. I got to be honest, you know, going through that, it always is. But I was a little bit nervous because I was afraid that the water in the baptism pool was going to overflow. The problem was, was I started filling up our baptism tank on Friday morning during our coffee morning and during our food bank. I, I started it, I came down a little bit earlier and I let the, the hose go, I let it run for a few hours and I thought I'll check back at the end of food bank. I thought I'll leave enough water, I'll only fill it to about halfway so that I could top it up with warm water on Sunday morning so that we wouldn't get freezing going into the baptism pool. The problem was though, by the end of food bank, I'd filled up the water tank about three quarters I thought, this isn't good. This is going to be poor on Sunday morning. This pool might overflow with this. There's a few little stickers on it already because it started to leak. It's about 20 years old, this baptism pool. So I thought we were going to have a dangerous morning on Sunday morning. I thought you were all going to be baptized on Sunday morning. I did think that, but, but you know, Sunday morning came and, and I came down earlier to the church. I started filling up the water and then a little later on, Georgina and I came to set up the teas and coffees and I thank God that it was filled just enough. I thought, thank you, Lord. It was a Goldilocks moment, just perfect, just right. It wasn't going to overflow. I was a little bit afraid, but you know, as I was filling up and as I was thinking about this and panicking about the overflow, the Lord told me even through that image, was showing me through that image, that is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Did you know the day of Pentecost was actually an overflow moment? It was an overflow moment. You know, the Bible tells us that, that when Jesus came to this earth, then he began his ministry at the age of 30 when the, during his baptism, the, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that's when his ministry began. And as Jesus began his ministry, he called out to, to 12 ordinary men to be his followers, to be his disciples, to watch what he would do. He wanted these men to be with him 
so that when he ascended into heaven, he would go and do what he had called them to do, to imitate him. I love what it says in Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. This is the primary reason why Jesus called his disciples. It wasn't just to do miracles, signs and wonders and to preach about Jesus. The primary reason was, it says this in verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. The first reason why Jesus called these 12 followers was so that they would be with him. And that's your call and my first call as well. Before we do anything for God, God wants us to simply be with him, to know him, to have a relationship, to have a friendship with him. That's our number one calling in life, to be known by God, to know God and have a relationship with him. And so God, Jesus calls his disciples and as I said, they had this incredible three and a half years with him. They lived with him. They followed him like a student with a teacher. They watched him. They observed him. They seen him perform miracles, opening blind eyes, raise those who were paralyzed, raise the dead, heal those with leprosy. They witnessed it all, witnessed him preaching about the kingdom of God. But you know, it wasn't an easy journey for these 12 men because they left everything. They left everything behind to follow Jesus. And they also had difficulty. They faced opposition from religious leaders, from the Romans. They had misunderstandings with the crowds. And the worst part of all was that after three and a half years of following Jesus, giving all to be with Jesus, living with him as their savior, as their Lord, but also as their friend, they witnessed Jesus die. The death of their savior upon the cross. Uh, we see that they seen that happen. However, I'm so glad we know that the cross wasn't the end of the story. I'm so thankful for that this morning that we don't celebrate a cross with a savior on it, but our cross is empty. Jesus rose again from the grave, the Bible says, conquering sin, conquering death, conquering Satan once and for all time. But you know, the amazing thing is the Bible says that Jesus wasn't done then. After, after raising, rising again from the dead, the Bible says that Jesus spent 40 days here on this earth. People seen Jesus. There were so many people who seen Jesus. Jesus met with his disciples on a few occasions. They seen the risen Savior. Thomas put his fingers through the pierced holes of our Savior. They seen Jesus. But not only that, the Bible says that on one point, over 500 people seen Jesus. Many, many people seen Jesus. But you know, the time came then after these 40 days that Jesus was going to ascend into heaven to be with his heavenly Father. But before he descended into heaven, uh, ascended into heaven, the Bible says that Jesus gave his followers this promise. It says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. These are Jesus' words to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. He says to them, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, through Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was saying, it isn't over when I ascend into heaven, but actually I'm going to send my spirit. He's going to fill you. Jesus said in John's gospel, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit might come. They, they, were, they were with Jesus, but now they're going to have Jesus living inside of them. They were going to know personally a relationship with the living God. And they were going to carry on the mission. What an amazing thing it is, isn't it? That God would use human beings like you and me, failed, fallen human beings, sinful human beings 
He would forgive us. He would restore us to himself. And he'd use us to be his plan A in telling people everywhere about him. What a privilege that is. So Jesus gives them this promise that in a few days time, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to give you the power to do what I've called you to do. Then we read these words in Acts chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. It says this, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So Jesus gives them this promise, and what do they do? They go to this upper room and they wait for this promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit was. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they just knew Jesus was going to send the Holy Spirit. And so they came together, and it wasn't wasted time. They united together in prayer. They worshiped Jesus. They worshiped Jesus. And then the Bible says, after they were waiting for him, after a few days of praying and waiting upon the Lord, we see the promise finally comes to pass on the day of Pentecost. And we read it again, verse Acts 2, verse 1 to 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven. And as I've said before, I'm praying for the suddenness of God. I pray that we will experience the suddenness of God in our lives and in our midst. Suddenly a sound from heaven came like a roaring mighty windstorm and it filled the house they were sitting in. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, everyone, not just the 12, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The Holy Spirit came. God moved in power. They were all filled, every single one of them. And they began to speak in other languages, languages they hadn't learned. Languages as the Spirit enabled them after this sudden mighty wind. And what happens is that after this moment, Peter, who would deny Jesus, who had been ashamed of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, after being re restored to Jesus, he's the first to get up and tell everybody. Because there was crowds who gathered. People came to see what was going on. People were drawn to this place where God was moving. And I'd like to say that, that when God is in the place, people come running. People are drawn to that place. And that's why I pray that we wouldn't just be a little church where nothing happens, but this place would be so filled with the presence of God that every time we meet, God's presence would be so evident here that not only when we meet together, but wherever we are, people would be drawn to us because we've got the presence of God in us. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. God is moving in our midst. Peter stands up and he begins to preach about Jesus. The Bible says that everyone who was there, their hearts were pierced with conviction. And they said, what must we do to be saved? I pray that will be the cry of our community. What must we do to be saved? I pray that will be the cry of your loved ones. What must we do to be saved? That's what happens when God's presence is there, when the Holy Spirit moves and Jesus is being preached about. People cry out, what must we do to be saved? The Holy Spirit moves and the Bible says these powerful things happened on the day of Pentecost. Verse 41 to 47. And those who believed what Peter said, were baptized and added to that church 
about 3,000 in all. Isn't that amazing? 3,000 people are saved. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which is communion, and to pray. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes and for the Lord's Supper and shared with meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And I love this. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. People got saved day by day. God is able to save people on a Monday. God's able to save people on a Tuesday. We don't have to wait till Sundays. God can save people every day. And I'm praying for that. God every day saved people. 3,000 people were saved. God was moving. Every day God was adding to this church. It was the beginning of the church, the early church where God moved in power. It all came when the Holy Spirit came. But you know, all that happened, Pentecost was the overflow moment. It was the overflow moment of all that had happened before. You see, the disciples had been with Jesus for three and a half years. They'd spent time day by day with Jesus, listening to Jesus, learning from Jesus, growing in Jesus. They were in the presence of God. They followed him. They observed him. They listened to him. They filled up with Jesus every single day. Daily, they were being filled with Jesus. And now, after God had accomplished everything he was going to do, after Jesus accomplished everything he was going to do, tipping point came. The tipping point came. That overflow moment happened. They obeyed the instructions of Jesus and the Holy Spirit came and everything changed forever. The God moved powerfully and this world was changed. Isn't it amazing? God chose ordinary people, filled them with his spirit and they had an impact that would last not only for one or two moment, months or years, 2,000 years later, we are the fruit of that moment. We are the fruit of that moment. It was an overflow moment of all that time they had spent with Jesus. It was an overflow moment. You know, maybe you've come here today and maybe you're feeling empty and depleted. Maybe you were running on fumes. Maybe even in your Christian life, you're running on fumes. You, you're feeling like life has taken it out of you. You've lost that love for Jesus. You've lost, lost that joy for Jesus. Maybe you feel burnt out this morning. I've got good news for you today. God doesn't want you to live in that way any longer. God doesn't want you and I to live in that way. God wants us to live life to the fullest and to never be running on empty. God wants us to live in the overflow. God wants us to be overflowing. If you don't believe me, here's two Bible verses to say, to show us that God wants us to live in that overflow. It says in Psalm 23, Old Testament, verse five, David says, the psalmist says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. God doesn't want you running on empty. God wants us overflowing. God wants us overflowing with his presence, with his blessings. Jesus said these powerful words in John chapter 10, verse 9 to 10. I'm reading this from the Passion Translation. He said, I am the gateway. To enter through me is to experience life, the freedom and satisfaction. 
A thief only has one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. God wants you to overflow. I wonder how many of you are living in the overflow. How many of you here today are living and running on empty? God wants us to live life to the fullest, to know life to the fullest. But how does that happen? It's not because of us. It comes through Jesus, through knowing Jesus, walking through Jesus. God wants us to know him, but also to make him known. You might be saying today, that's great that God wants us to walk in the overflow and live in the overflow. But how does that actually happen? How can we actually practically see the blessing of God in our lives? How can we experience the abundance of God? How can we live life to the full? Maybe some of you here this morning are saying, Luke, I'm past my good years. Maybe I I am God life. Maybe it's just, maybe that's it for me. Maybe my good years are behind me. That's a lie from the enemy. God wants you to live life to the fullest. Maybe you're here today and say, Luke, I've only known Jesus for a few days, a few weeks, a few months. It doesn't matter. God wants you to live in the overflow. He wants you to know life to the fullest. So how can we experience that? Well, there's a few ways and we can learn that. And I'm just going to share with you them very quickly. The first way that we can live and walk in the overflow is to fill up with Jesus every day. We need Jesus every day. Just like the disciples, they were with Jesus every day. You and I as disciples of Jesus today, we need him daily. We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to prioritize spending time with Jesus every day. Now I know many of us are working. Many of us are busy. By the end of the day, we are shattered. You might say, I haven't got time or the energy to read my Bible. I haven't got time to pray. The only time I can do it is on a Sunday. You know, the staggering thing is I I notice on my phone even this week. There's a little thing that comes up on my phone at the end of every week. And it says, how much time I have spent on my phone during the week each and every day. It's quite staggering, actually, and frightening how much time I waste on my phone. We spend so much time, don't we, wasting our lives away on things we want to do. But, you know, that's one of the reasons why we live in depleted and empty lives, running on fumes all the time. The way we live life to the overflow is prioritizing, spending time with Jesus. I want to encourage you every day. To make it a priority. Make Jesus the center of your life. Jesus said when we prioritize him, when we put God first in our life, seek first the kingdom of God, then everything else will be added to you. When we put God first in our lives, then we'll experience his blessing. So spend time with Jesus every day. How? Through prayer, through worship, through reading the word, through being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not hard. We preach this over and over again. We say this over and over again. Pray, read your Bible, spend time worshiping, thanking God for what he's done. And watch how Jesus will fill you up every day. Spend time with Jesus. Know his presence, his love in your life. Hear his voice and you'll begin to experience that overflow in your life. Living in the overflow comes by spending time with Jesus, filling up with Jesus every day. Secondly, another way we can live in the overflow is by engaging in our church family. Get involved in church. This isn't supposed to be a spectator sport, but this is all of us. We're all part of this. We are the body of Christ. We all got a part to play. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to encourage other people, to minister to other people, to tell people what he's done in your life. I pray and my prayer is that this church wouldn't just be filled with rows of spectators, but we'll all be actively engaged in the ministry and what God has called us to do. That's when church will work. Church isn't an organization. It's the people of God serving God. 
God and making Jesus known. And there are many opportunities for you to get involved in. We have many ministries you can help out in. Kids ministry, youth ministry, prayer ministry, food bank, coffee mornings. You can help on coffee before Sunday. You can help on the worship. You can help preach leadership, whatever it is. God wants to use you. He's gifted you not to sit in that role, but to tell people and share that gift to all others, to be a blessing to those around you. God wants to encourage you. Get engaged in church life. Next month in June, we're going to be starting small groups as well. And I can't wait for that where we can have fellowship with one another, encourage one another, because the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. We can get stronger in our faith, find family and hope here. That's happening next month. So get involved with that. I want to encourage you. There are so many ways for you to engage in church life. Let's not just do church. Let's be the church. That's what God is calling us to do. Be the church of Jesus Christ. Number three, another way you can live in the overflow is cultivate a responsive heart. In other words, don't close your heart off to God. Don't close your heart, but allow the Holy Spirit to fill you every day. Have an open heart. Just because you might have been filled with the Holy Spirit many years ago doesn't mean God wants to stop filling you. Because it says in Ephesians 5 verse 8, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word in the Greek means keep on being filled. God wants you to experience his blessing in your life. God wants to move in your life. It doesn't matter how long you've been following him. God wants to speak to you. God wants to teach you. God wants you to know him in your life. So cultivate an open heart. Surrender to him every day. Include him and let him guide your decisions that you're making. Give him the desires of your heart, but allow him to change and work in your life. Follow the leading of God in your life. Then you'll begin to experience the overflow. Cultivate a responsive heart. In other words, have a teachable spirit. Have an open heart to God. Don't close your heart off, but open up your heart to God. You know, just because I'm a pastor, just because I've been serving Jesus and a follower of Jesus for many, many years, doesn't mean that I'm the finished product. I'm far from the finished product. And God's got a lot more for me. God wants to do a lot more in my life. But that requires me to open up my life to him every single day. And I encourage you to do exactly the same. Number four, share your overflow. When God begins to fill you up, it isn't so that you would be full, but it's so that you would overflow out. So you'd spill over and be a blessing to other people. Look for an opportunity to help other people, witness to other people, share with other people, be kind to other people, offer that to God. And again, I need God to help me in that area. We all need God in that area as well, but allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through your life. And number five, the fifth way we can live in the overflow is pray every day for a fresh outpouring. Ask God to fill you with his spirit every day. We need Jesus every day. We need the presence of God every day. Just like the Israelites in the Old Testament, they needed fresh manna from God every morning. So we need the presence of God in our lives every day. We need to meet with God every single day. God wants us to live in the overflow. Just like that baptism pool was gonna spill over, that's what God wants our lives to be like. Like the disciples on the day of Pentecost, their lives overflowed and we are living in that overflow today. But God wants us to live in that overflow, to experience that overflow in our lives. But as we come to an end of this message this morning, you might be wondering, what's this got to do with the promise of God? If you're still with me, that is. If you, you haven't shut off and you're not thinking about your dinner or, or the rest of your day, you might be wondering, what's this got to do with the promise of God? Because that's the title of this message, a baptism pool, Pentecost, and the promise of God. I believe this is a word from the Lord for us this morning. So I encourage you just to open up your heart and your ears just for a moment. If you don't listen to anything else, please just listen to this. God gave our church a promise many, many years ago. That promise to this church was 
found in Haggai 2, verse 9. I'm going to read it to us. It's from the message translation. It says this. This temple is going to end up far better than it started out. A glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. A place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness, decree of God of the angel armies. God has given us this, as a church, this promise. We've got an incredible history as a church. God's done great things. I believe our future is going to be even better. But you know, I honestly believe with all my heart, this promise is coming to pass right now. We are starting to live in that promise. God is moving in our midst and it's undeniable. It's not a work of man. This is, an, this is a work of God. What God is doing in our midst. We give glory and honor to Jesus for what he's doing in this church. We've seen God move over these last couple of years since COVID. We've seen God move in powerful ways. It's sad to see some churches are struggling and declining. I thank God that our story has been God's been blessing and growing. And I pray that will be the testimony of all churches around this area. But you know, I thank God for what he has done. Every week, it seems to be we're seeing new people come along to our church. New families, new people. And I thank God for each and every one of you. People from other nations. And I thank God for that. Isn't it amazing how God's been bringing people from all those from Nigeria who are part of our church. We thank God for you. And we pray we'll plant churches in Nigeria one day. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be incredible? We thank God for the family from Romania who are with us. And we pray we'll plant churches in Romania one day and have Romanian churches here as well. We thank God for that. We thank God for the church we get a partner with in Japan. And we pray we'll be a help to many more and other nations across the world. God's bringing in people from all over. They're not only just there, we're seeing people come from the local area as well. Even Ross on Wye from across the border. People are bringing people along. God is moving in our midst. New people are coming along every week. Not only that, we've seen salvation in recent years. Many salvations. And that's the greatest miracle of all. People coming to know Jesus. We've seen backsliders returning. My uncle, after 30 years, giving his heart to the Lord, and he's with us every Wednesday night in our prayer meeting. I never thought I'd see the day, and God forgive me for that. But isn't it amazing how God answers prayer? And I'm believing that for you and your family and your children and your grandchildren as well. Not only are we seeing God save people and move people, people are taking their next steps. Baptism last Sunday, baptism last year, People becoming partners and we've got more people who've signed up to become members of our church. And we'll be doing that in a few months time. And we thank God for that. People wanting to plant themselves in the house of God. People volunteering in ministry, signing up because they want to serve and be used by God. This is a work of God. This is a miracle in motion. Yes, it might be small. Yes, it might not be massive compared to other churches. But it's undeniable. God's moving. God's moving in our midst and we thank God for that. You might say, how has this happened? There's two reasons why this has happened. First reason is because God is faithful to his word and his promise. God's promise never fails. What he says, he'll keep his promise for. And the second reason, and I believe this, this is what God laid on my heart. The reason why we see in the promise of God come to pass now is because it's the overflow of years and years of people sharing Jesus, but also praying as well. I believe prayer has been the key. I believe prayer is the key. Every week as a church family, we meet on a Tuesday morning to pray and a Wednesday night to pray. Every week we've been doing that. But you know, there'd be many times in our prayer meetings, we don't have many of our congregation come along and, and I want to encourage you in that in a few moments time, but there's a handful, same old people come every meeting. And you know, I gotta be honest, there've been occasions over the many years I've been praying where I've been discouraged. 
I've been disheartened and I thought, Lord, there's not many of our church here. We're not really, you know, there doesn't seem to be any answers to prayer. There never seems to be any breakthrough. But you know, last week, as I was filling up this baptism pool, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. said, all those years of praying have not been in vain. Rather, each time we have prayed, whether it's individually or corporately, we have been filling up the tank. We've been topping up the tank. And I, said, and I felt the Lord say, the time has now come for the overflow. What we are seeing happen now is the water starting to spill over. The blessings of God starting to spill over. The answers to prayer are starting to come. It's tipping over. God has been moving because of the faithful men and women of God who've been praying and calling upon God for years and years. We are now seeing the fruit of it. We are seeing the result of that. God has been moving. The promise of God, I felt the Holy Spirit say this, the promise of God is coming to pass before our very eyes. Let's not ignore it. Let's acknowledge it and thank God for that. But I felt God say to me, it's not time to stop now that we're seeing this happen, but it's time to increase. It's time to increase. It's time to pray like we've never prayed before. It's time to keep pressing into God like we've never pressed in before because only God can do this. Only God can do this. This isn't the work of me or the man or anything else. This is a work of God. God is doing this in our midst. And I felt God say, the more we pray, the greater the overflow and the impact that we'll have on our community, our families and the world around us. We're just starting to see that water trickle over that baptism pool. If you want to put a picture like that, it's just starting to tip over the edge. I don't want that. I want it to be rivers. I want to see God move and flow in in mighty, mighty ways. But that will come as we keep topping up the tank through prayer, through seeking God, through opening up our lives to the Holy Spirit, to opening up our lives to God, to making Jesus known. That is how it will come. And I've never really done this before, but I want to challenge you this morning. I want to encourage you, felt led by God to do this this morning. I know there are many in this room today who don't come along to our prayer meetings on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I know there are many reasons for that, health reasons, family reasons, and I appreciate that. But I just want to encourage you this morning. Please join us. Please join us on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. We need your prayers. We need your prayers. I want to see Abraham touched by God. I want to see people come to know Jesus. I want to see family members who we've been praying for for years and years come to know God. I want to see those who are broken and stuck in addiction set free. I want to see the sick healed. And I hope that's your prayer also. Well, that comes as we pray and as we call upon God. And God encouraged me when we started our prayer meetings after COVID that the prayer meeting is going to be bigger than our Sunday services. And I said, I can't wait for that day. Please, Lord, may that be a reality. Why? Prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week. And I will not apologize for saying that. That is why we are seeing God move. It's because we're depending on him and we need him and we're calling out to him. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't come to a prayer meeting, please come to our prayer meeting. If you're unable to come to a prayer meeting, please join with us. Pray in your homes. Pray for loved ones. Pray for friends. Pray for people to come to know Jesus. But my prayer is that Wednesday night, we'll see this place packed out. Tuesday mornings, that room will be too small because we're interceding. So many people are crying out to God for their needs and for their loved ones. So as we come to an end of this service today, a baptism pool, Pentecost, and the promise of God. Pentecost was the overflow moment. I believe we're living in that overflow moment as a church right now. 
God's doing great things in our lives and God wants you to experience his overflow in your life. And that'll happen as we fill up with Jesus, spend time seeking Jesus day by day. But it'll also come as we unite together, individually, but also corporately as well, to pray and seek the face of God. And who knows what impact we could have for the glory and honor of God. It's time to overflow and let the overflow begin for Jesus' glory.